here we have the, the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They brought bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, we, we thank you for these words and we pray now uh, that you would speak into our hearts uh, in a, a transforming way uh, all that Judy's prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. One of my favorite passages in scripture, that passage in Acts 2, and uh, for me, it is just the most beautiful picture of church thriving. And as we look at the thriving life, as we look at being a thriving church in a thriving city or for a thriving city, then this is a beautiful model, isn't it, of actually what we would long for church to be like. And it fills me with this sort of craving, if I'm honest, for more of that. More of that for us, more of that for our city. And the good news is that it's available to us, isn't it? Because Acts 2, if you know, comes at the end, where we, with the passage we meet with the end. At the beginning, we actually hear that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that the birth of the early church in Acts 2, at the beginning of the chapter, is the Holy Spirit coming amongst his people. And then we have this model at the end of the chapter, that they are living together, that they are sharing with one another, that they're eating together, that they're seeing miracles amongst them, that they're in awe, that they're in wonder at who God is, and they are enjoying God. It's a picture of enjoying God. And I wonder as we read that, whether that resonates with you. Are we enjoying God? At the start of this year, I had a challenge, a very direct challenge from God, asking me, was I still enjoying him? And it has been such a blessing to have these last three months of sabbatical to do just that. And I'm profoundly grateful, if I haven't said that already, I'm profoundly grateful for that. Just a chance to thrive. As we look at thriving, for, for me personally, that has been a real gift. And this is available to us because we have the fruits of the Spirit. And interestingly, as we look at this passage, there is a move, a key change, if you like, from me to we. That the individualic culture of our time, the individualistic way of working that we have, this is countercultural to that. This is living for the we rather than the me. And you might say, well, we know that church is about that, but actually the culture of individualism is so strong that it's the air that some of us breathe all the time. What are my needs? What is it for me? What's in it for me? What did I get from that? And that is the air that we breathe. Coming back to Birmingham, I've spent much of this time away from Birmingham, uh, deliberately really, um, not to get away from you necessarily, but just to be away from this context. And coming back, it was a bit of a mixed blessing to discover the bin strike was still going on alive and well and I don't know where you're at in sunny Bourneville but back in the Heath in Kings Heath we are still optimistically putting our bins out bringing them back putting them out almost like a dance now on my road as to when we go out with the bins in with the bins then we get a text message I had a message the bin day will be Tuesday we're out there they didn't come so we're back in four doors down they've got a skip so we're all their friends now we didn't really know them before but we all know 
them now tapping on the door saying, could we just put another bag in and so on. And our community in adversity is coming together. I don't know if you heard the little news story about the bearded bros, our Muslim brothers and sisters coming together, others joining in with them, and they said, this is our city. And if there's a bin strike, we'll help out. Wasn't that brilliant? I don't know if that news story got swallowed up, but I certainly was very touched by that and inspired by that. Is it the city of Birmingham or is it our city? Is this a church of individuals or are we a church of we together, sharing together in the blessings and enjoying God together? In the marriage ceremony, at the end of the ceremony, when the reception comes, the speeches that we wait for, one of my favourite bits of the speeches, the groom stands up or maybe the bride stands up and we all wait for the time when they say, my wife and I, or my husband and I, because something has changed. In the covenant of marriage, something shifts, doesn't it? We move from saying I to we. And the covenant of baptism that most of us here, if we're believers, and if you haven't, we can talk to you about that. When we're baptized into the fellowship of believers, we come into a family and we move from I to we. There's a great quote, actually, here um, by Stanley Hauervas. He says, the church is a colony, an island of one culture in the middle of another. In baptism, our citizenship is transferred from one dominion to another, and we become, in whatever culture we find ourselves, resident aliens. Now look around you, I don't know whether you see any aliens present, Uh, perhaps uh, we see that in one another, but we are called to be aliens, to sing a strange song in a foreign land, to sing a different song, to stand out. The Apostle Paul says in Romans that actually we have a new citizenship, that we are ambassadors for another region, another culture. The actual word that he uses in the original text means an outpost, that a colony would be an outpost, that would be a culture within a culture that we are called to live, to live distinctive lives. And the way that we can do that is through the gifts of the Spirit. If we think of relationships, they are, and how difficult they are, what we have are the fruits of the Spirit that relate to relating to one another, interestingly. If you know what they are, they're listed in the New Testament in the second part of the Bible, and they're things like gentleness, patience, self-control. The fruits of the Spirit will help us live like this together, will help us thrive in this way together. And the Christian life was never, ever meant to be lived alone. It was always meant to be friendship. Jesus modelled that, didn't he, with the 12 friends that he started out with. It was always meant to be about friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, being one with one another, being that colony together, and then going out and making a difference in the world. And actually, when we look at being a colony an outposting, an example. There's something of a calling in that, that we can run alone or we can run together. And the crowd is watching. The world, if you like, our city is watching. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's how they'll get it. That's how they'll get this from us, even in our weakness, because of this spirit, because of his thriving in us. A beautiful demonstration of winning in a different way that we're called to. 
If you look at the passage, it says all the believers continued together in close fellowship. Fellowship and friendship is probably a a more familiar term for us. Friendship is a beautiful gift that we have. It's biblical, it's beautiful, and as we said, it's how Jesus did it. C.S. Lewis talks about this, and he says, we might think we've chosen our friends. Interesting, isn't it? How have we chosen our friends? Is it through circumstance? Is it through work, life stage, a whole host of things? But he says this, you may or may not agree with it, thinking of your friends, I don't know. It says this, a secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you for one another. Friendship is not our reward for discrimination and good taste. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of all the others. Isn't that lovely? And actually, you might feel, well, actually, I could do with a few more friends today, that I do perhaps feel more like the one running on your own. And if that's you, please do come and speak to us, to join a life group, to join a triplet, to join a community group. We've had that already from this talk last week already, that people have been able to say, I don't want to run on my own anymore. It's too tempting, it's too fragile, it's too difficult. And that's what church should be, and we long for it to be close fellowship with one another. Now, here's a tricky bit, and I think this is challenging for you guys at Bourneville because I think you've been doing it brilliantly well. So hear that before I say anything else. But when we move from they to we, we move position. Okay, when we look at they to we, if we talk about church as they, what are they doing now? What's happening? What are they about? What are they doing now? We're sitting somewhere else. Where are we sitting? We're sitting in the spectators' gallery. And that's quite a safe place to sit, isn't it? Who's an armchair pundit here? Anyone good at watching football matches and and knowing exactly what they should do? Just me? Oh, no, there's... Oh, just Tim and I. Okay, it's more tennis with me, but uh, if you ever want to watch a game with us, we'll be the ones. Val, yes, there's a few more of us that are perhaps uh, admitting to that. We watch a game, and we know how they should have passed that ball. And we start shouting all sorts of things, if we're a bit more aggressive, at the television because we think they should have done it like this. And church is no different from that. And I know this because we've got it in us. We've all got both in us. We can do the they or we can do the we. But when we're doing the they, they're getting it wrong and I'm okay. When we're we together, we're high-fiving when we get it right. And when we get it wrong, we're round one another. We're loving one another through it. And you may think Judy's very idealistic. She's not got my reality. But I do see a reality to this. I see a beautiful reality here at Bourneville. You know, people coming early, staying really late. And we need everyone We need everyone, and already I know there's a beautiful ownership at this site. Fantastic, but we can give it even more. Not because we're wanting to work you harder, but because we know that there's a joy of thriving together like this community in Acts 2, and that we can bear one another, take the load off one, because the other one is running too, from they to we. Interestingly, I have a good friend at church who said to me, I never really got that until I became a community group leader. She said, when you asked me to be a community group leader, I could see so many things wrong with church. But I said yes, because I wanted to be part of the change. And she said, now what happens on a Sunday is I think we, not me. I think who's here that we can welcome? Who's not here that we should phone? And so on. So actually, when we do that, when we step up in leadership or in service, whatever you feel called to do if you're not doing it already, there is a beautiful thriving that comes when we do that. We hear that they would sell their possessions and distribute the money among all according to what each one needed. 
And I think with us, there may be physical need. Uh, we certainly know that there will at times be physical need amongst us. Community groups are a brilliant way of doing that, of seeing who's in need of food, of hospital visiting, of cars, of lifts, whatever that is. But there's also the need in one another for encouragement, for listening. And for, I dare to say, and this is perhaps post-sabbatical for me, for words of encouragement that will keep people going. Some of you will know that I was due to go to Korea and I was very terrified about that but really felt it was the right thing to do to work with women who were being trafficked uh, out of North Korea and to meet with them and uh, the, the trip for uh, very good reasons, was pulled last minute. I'd had my jabs, I was driving down, two days to go, praising God and praying, because I was very scared, as some of you know. Uh, but many friends and friends here were praying for me, and one particular friend had fasted on a Tuesday morning uh, regularly since she'd heard I was going to Korea and had sent me a word. Uh, and basically what she'd said was, if you don't end up where you think you're going to end up, take courage, because God will use you there. Now, I thought that could be a prison cell, <laughs> you know, my sense of drama. I was thinking, I'm not going to be with all the others. I'm going to be picked off. Then my visa was refused for China. I'm banned from China. I was quite proud of that fact for, for a year. And um, I, I just thought, well, actually, I know I'm not going, but I do know that whatever is next, there's a reason for it. And as some of you then know, I got to the hospital where my dad was and uh, he was, we thought we were saying goodbye to him. And so it's just extraordinary that somebody had that commitment to me to not only pray and fast, but to give me that word of knowledge. And that's something that we can do to have this thriving church to one another. We won't find it easy. Sometimes we may think, well, am I making that up? But as we grow in the spiritual gifts, the discipline of that, the muscle of it, if you like, in the spirit, we will thrive more and more as church together. Uh, I went over to hear a guy called Sean Balls. I think that's how you say his name. Forgive me if it isn't. Um, and uh, he's an amazing uh, prophet from America, and he was coming to Ealing to speak. Now, I have to put a little caveat down here to say that I was A, cynical, and B, slightly not sure about the fact that I should even be going. But a lovely friend had invited me along and said he would be sharing these words of knowledge. And I was thinking, I'm a bit unsure about how somebody can do that to order, you know, how they can just do that on that night in Ealing. So slightly arrogantly, I confess, I was driving there praying, Lord, just help me to say what I think is right about this and what I don't think is right to these lovely friends and to get the balance right and guard my heart to the truth and all of that stuff and there he is he stands up and he says if I was sat where you are I'd feel cynical I'd feel well, who is this guy anyway who is he from America and it was almost like the monologue I'd had in the car he said back to me so I thought oh, okay you've got my attention and uh, what he told was some beautiful stories and he encouraged so many people here and I would say that every word he shared and he didn't always get it right but every word he shared was uplifting it was the challenge of of you can do this with God's help with one another's help with the power of the spirit it was not telling people off in the spirit making judgments it was beautifully uplifting which I think is sometimes a way of telling what God is doing but he told the story 
of somebody who, uh, he was at the airport, Sean Balls was at the airport, and he was just at that point when you're very fatigued, where he had downloaded two episodes for his favourite drama on his iPad, got his earphones ready, and he was just at the coffee, he was just going to get a, a little Starbucks, and he was going to sit down and watch his two episodes with his earphones plugged in. And I'm with him, are you? I'm just thinking, yes, I don't want to talk to anyone anymore, I'm all talked out, I just need to watch my episodes with the earphones in, and that's it. And he feels God really strongly. This was just on the way to see us. He was at the airport. He feels God really strongly in his spirit. Say, the woman where the sugar area is, getting the sugar, is broken-hearted. Will you reach out to her and tell her I love her? Now, he does the thing that I think most of us, if we're honest, might do. Think, I'm just making that up because I know exactly what I should be doing. I should be watching my episodes. But it's so strong in him that he knows that it is God. And as we've seen with the Brownlee brothers, it's costly to run together, isn't it? Individualism is very, very attractive to us. It's very attractive to keep your earphones on. But he doesn't. And he taps her on the shoulder and he says, I'm a man of God, I don't want to freak you out or in any way interrupt you, but I just really do feel the Lord God says to you, you are brokenhearted and he loves you. And she just starts to cry. They're getting her sugar and he sits down, he has two hours to spend with her, he gives her the gospel, he talks about how God can actually give her people to help her and he prays with her and she prays a prayer of commitment there in that airport. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's the work of the Spirit, but that's not an individualistic culture. That's from me to we. That's saying, that's my brother, that's my sister, and they're hurting. Can I play a part in their healing and in their restoration? And so together they eat with glad and humble hearts, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. As we come to a close then, what does this mean if we feel alone today? Because you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't feel this friendship. I don't feel this fellowship here. I feel alone and isolated. There's a beautiful quote from Henri Nouwen that can help us. No one person can fulfill all your needs, but the community can truly hold you. The community can let you experience the fact that beyond your anguish, there are human hands that hold you and show you God's love. And uh, we would just like to say that for you today, if that is you, that actually we would love to be those human hands for you in different ways, in our life groups, in our triplets, in our community groups, in our Sunday gatherings. And actually, as we do that, as we sharpen one another, as we, we will be a thriving church for a thriving city. John Ortberg says, God uses people to form other people. That's why what happens between you and another person is never merely human-to-human -human interaction. The spirit longs to be alive in every encounter. So today, if you're limping, if you feel dehydrated, maybe you feel a little bit thirsty, a little bit lacking in refreshment of the spirit, we can pray with you. There'll be a team at the end who can do that. Uh, maybe you feel I've never experienced anything like this, and I like the picture of this church, but I have no idea what that will be like for me as a reality. Then do go to the welcome desk and, and talk to us. We had such a brilliant welcome meal last week uh, with uh, 12 of us just getting together from all nations of the world, and I thought this is a picture 
picture of a thriving church for a thriving city where God's welcome is felt and experienced by people. I wonder if you would stand with me and I would love to just read some words that are from the message version, paraphrase if you like, of the Bible. And they're from Isaiah. They're from Isaiah 58, which is a lovely passage in scripture that again points to this thriving church that we can really, really embrace in the spirit. And uh, Isaiah was challenged not to be a church not enjoying God, but to actually be a people that were enjoying God and that were seeing him move and he saw Isaiah saw that people were fasting that people were if you like trying and striving too hard and he said move from striving to thriving move from me to we and I would love to to just pray this as a blessing over us this is the kind of fast day that I'm after to break the chains of injustice get rid of exploitation in the workplace free the oppressed cancel debt. What I'm interested in seeing you doing is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shiveringly ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer you. You will call out to him for help and he will say, here I am. Father, as we respond to this message, we do pray that every single person here would know that they are not alone. That they can reach out and call on your name and you will be present and you will send people to run alongside them. And Lord, would you show us this week, by your spirit, those moments where we can be that encouragement, that shoulder, that word for one another to thrive our community life together in you. Lord, we eagerly desire your spirit's work amongst us. That we may be able to say, And every day, every week, every month, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.